I just need to take a deep breath because I got to tell y'all, I'm just going to be candid with you right off the bat. I am like busting with excitement and expectation for this year. I mean, um, and that's not, that's not just verbiage that we're saying here as the pastors of Beaches Chapel to get us all pumped. If I, were to say, if I were to say anything else, that would be false. That would be fake. And I, I just want to say to you all, this first Sunday of this new year, that we are expectant for amazing things here at Beaches Chapel Church as a group and individually. But we all got to get on board. And so uh, forgive me, I'm going to try and pace myself this morning, but uh, I just am so excited for what God's going to do. And it's really already started. My goodness, worship right off the bat. Thank you, Jesus. And what we've decided to do as we begin this new year is really look at Beaches Chapel and who we are. And I believe seven years ago-ish, whenever it was, the Lord gave Pastor Howard in, in a, a divine, supernatural three words for Beaches Chapel, and that was pray, love, serve. And we're going to look at those words throughout this month. We're going to take a week each Sunday and, and really examine what it means for Beaches Chapel to pray, what it means for Beaches Chapel to love, and what it means for Beaches Chapel to serve. Because that's our foundation. Right? That, that's who we are. If we say those things and we have them hung on the walls and they're on t-shirts that we wear, then we had better understand what that means for us. But before we can get to those three things, what I, re- what I want to talk about this morning is our identity and who we are, who I am and who you are, individually but also corporately. Because our walk with the Lord, I believe, begins and ends in our identity in him. And we can, we can come to church every Sunday. We can listen to all the worship music in the world and still never really get who we are. And until we do, until we understand who we are in Jesus, we are never gonna see the things that we're believing for come to fruition because it's in understanding who we are that we can operate in who we are and then see those things happen, amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about here? We, we need to know. We need to know who we are in Jesus. And it, listen, it's no, it's no mistake, it's no coincidence that the enemy over and over and over again will tell us that we're losers, that we're failures, that we don't measure up, that the people next to us are always gonna have more than us and this and that. And he beats us down over and over. It's not coincidence, it's his greatest weapon because when the enemy knows, when we figure out who we are in Jesus, he's done. He's done. And, and, and to go even further, when we understand who we are in Jesus, the possibilities are endless. The possibilities are endless to the point where as much as we are expectant here at Beaches Chapel, we can't even fathom. We can't even fathom what he's gonna do. But it's going to take us understanding who we are in Jesus first. And so, let's talk about it. Galatians 4, starting in verse 1, says, Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children 
We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. So we see two words repeated there quite a few times. We see slaves and we see children. Slaves and children. And really what it boils down to in our lives are those two things. Are we going to live as slaves or are we going to live as God's children? Because the two are very, very different. And here's the thing that we need to understand more than anything else. The only thing worse than being a slave is being free and thinking you're a slave or living like a slave. That is the worst. When you are free and you are living like a slave. And let me say this, church. There's a lot of us in here that are free, that are walking around like slaves. And we wonder why we keep beating these dead horses and we're chasing our tail and we don't see anything. It's because we're living like slaves. When really our identity is children of God and we are free. Who the sun sets free is free Indeed, okay? It doesn't come with all these stipulations. As children of God, being our identity, we are free. And not only are we that, we are heirs. I mean, that is still, I, I read that, every time I read that, it blows me away. That we are co-heirs with Christ. What in the world? That makes no sense. But that's how much God loves us, as his good, good father. And I'm gonna say this right now. There are some of us in here, I believe with all my heart, there are some of us in here this morning, our identity is wrapped up in our failures. We've, we've made the things that we've messed up at, our failures, who we are. And we're carrying it around. And that has become our identity. And it might not be outwardly, but in our hearts, when we look in the mirror, when we talk to God or when we don't talk to God because of it, all we see is a failure. All we see is our past and the mess, the mess ups that we made and all those things that we did that we're so ashamed of. And that is what we, that is what we see when we look in the mirror and that becomes our identity. And when we live like that, we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything because it paralyzes us. But what we read here is we are not slaves. We are not slaves to the past. We are not slaves to our failure. That is not who we are. When we receive Jesus, we are God's children and we are free. So if that is you this morning, if that is you this morning, you need to be set free today. It's time to stop looking in the mirror and seeing a failure and that being your identity. You wanna move this year? You wanna see change this year? Start seeing yourself as a child of God, not as a failure. That is where it begins. Matthew chapter seven, starting in verse seven, says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. 
For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So I love this. So if you sinful people, right, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? We are God's children. We got to keep asking. Christmas just was, you know, it seems like all of a sudden forever ago. Well, it was really only a couple weeks ago. And it's that time of year to give gifts to people, your children, whomever. And Jesse and I had decided a while back, we're going to be good this year. We're not going to overspend. We're, you know, our girls, they have, they have stuff. They have so much stuff. And stuff quickly turns into junk. Have you noticed that? And as well, you know, they're going to get plenty of presents from their aunts and uncles and grandparents. We, we're just, we're going to get them socks, you know. We're going to be the fun parents this year. Real practical, you know. I mean, we were real good about it. Jesse especially. She made this budget. She was working on it. Like, this is what we're doing. I'm going to do everything I can and work around that. And, and our oldest daughter, who is seven, our child, was relentless about getting a Barbie dream house. And they are not cheap. And any time Christmas came up, which in our family starts in about uh, late August, she would say, I want that Barbie dream house. And we'd go to Target. And she'd, Barbie, Barbie dream house, you know, over and over and over again. And we, was, we told her multiple times, you're not getting the Barbie dream house. And we look at each other and be like, yeah, we're good parents. We're sticking to it. She kept beating that drum and beating that drum and beating that drum. Guess what I did three days before Christmas? <laughs> Went to Walmart. Jesse, the night before, you know, it came up. Well, what do you think? And it was one of those conversations where you already know the answer, but you've kind of like, I'm gonna t- we're going to talk it out. It sounds like we're being responsible, you know. <laughs> I knew immediately. As soon as, as, soon as when, when Jesse breaks, it's over. She's the only one with willpower in our family. <laughs> And when, as soon as she uttered the words Barbie Dreamhouse, I was like, it's on. I'm getting this thing. Sure enough, the next day, I'm going to Walmart, putting it together. Homegirl wore us down. I don't know if she's spoiled or if she's like a genius, you know. And I'm happy to report for about two hours on Christmas Day and a couple the next day, she played hard with that thing. Since then, it's been collecting dust. Her stuff has turned into junk real quick. But, you know, that it's such a, a great example. How often do we beat the drum to our Heavenly Father about the things going on in our life? Or do we just offer it up once or twice and say, well, I guess the answer is no. I'm just going to continue on. If Cassie had done that with us, she wouldn't have gotten a Barbie dream house. But she kept at it and kept at it. And what it showed us was, man, she's, she really wants, this isn't just like I saw it in the aisle one time and I thought, hey, that'd be cool. She really wanted this thing. She really wanted it. And so us being parents who love her, wanted to get her this thing. We wanted to see her reaction when she came down the steps Christmas morning. And it blessed us probably more than it blessed her. And that's something else we need to understand. As God is our heavenly father, it blesses him more than us when he gets to give us those things. 
But a lot of times we got to ask. And I'm going to segue real quick on that point to something that we're going to do here at Beaches Chapel, which again, I am pumped about. Starting this Saturday, January 11th, going through Friday, January 31st, we are going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting here at Beaches Chapel. We are going to send you emails every day about what you can be praying for. We're going to have a list every day. Let me say this real quick before I go any further. Pray for those things, but pray for the other things as well. It's not like, well, I can only pray for this today because that's what they said. No, no, no. Stand in agreement with those things and then pray also for whatever you need on that day, whatever. Beat the drum, whatever that is for you. Whatever your dream house is, beat the drum for it. We're going to send you emails. We're going to send you push notifications. We're going to have it on social media. We're going to put it on the website. 21 days of, of prayer and of fasting. I love, I, you know, one of the first people I told about this was Pastor Tina because she is the prayer warrior. She, and even, I think it was yesterday on Facebook, she uh, posted, you want to know your New Year's uh, advice? Pray. That was what, and it's, it's true. Everything we do is birthed in prayer. So whatever we are believing for in our lives, whatever it is, begins in prayer. And so as we say from the pulpit, as we say in conversation, as we say throughout the week that we're believing for great things, that's awesome. But then, it, then there's a responsibility for those beliefs and those expectations. And the responsibility for us for this month is to pray and fast. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with fasting, it is not a religious obligation. This, this is just kind of my take on fasting. Fasting doesn't just all of a sudden open God's eyes and say, wow, you know, I better do this now because I'm required of it because they're fasting. Fasting to me, it does two things. It raises our expectations because the more that we pray, the more that we're filled up, the more that we believe. So it raises our own expectations. And the second thing it does is it readies us for what is to come. And I think about Jesus after he's baptized Right? And God says, this is my son whom I love, and him I am well pleased. The next thing that he does is he goes out into the desert, and he fasts and he prays. And then the ministry starts. Then the parables start, and the sermons start, and the miracles start, and the healings, and all those things. But first, he readies himself for what is to come. So as we begin to, to pray and to fast starting on Saturday, God is going to raise our expectation of what is to come, and he is going to ready us. But let me say this. We can't do it for you. I can't pray and fast for you. I'm going to pray with you, but there is a responsibility to all this. And I want you to really consider and pray this week about how to pray and fast starting on Saturday. What can you give up? What are the things that you can lay aside and say, God, I'm putting this down for you? And then once it starts... Don't just do it as an act, a religious act, but take those times when you would be doing whatever you're doing, whether it's social media, TV, food, alcohol, sugar, I don't care, whatever it is for you. When you lay those things down and those, it starts to pop up in your mind, I could do this, that's when you pray. That's when you pray. Pray all day. We're going to be opening up the sanctuary every day. We're not sure about Sundays yet. We'll let you know then. But every day, Monday through Saturday, 6.30 to 7.30. A.M. And I know for some of y'all, that's brutal. And we're, we, we might try and do some evenings as well. We haven't gotten that far. But we're going to gather and pray. And I encourage you, come. 
Come and pray. Let's pray together. Let's believe together. Let's link arms together because look, we can wish until the cows come home. We can complain until the cows come home. I think God's saying, do something about it. Beat the drum. Beat the drum together because I want to celebrate your miracles as much as, as, as mine. You know, because once we start seeing each other, God move, oh, man, it's, it's going to start something. It's going to start something. You don't have to come every day. You don't have to come every morning. But if there's some mornings, you can come. You don't have to come for the full hour. If you can come for half an hour, that'd be great. But let's pray together. Three weeks, we're doing this. Three, 21 days. We can do this. Wednesday the 15th, that night, we're going to have a night of praise. Wednesday the 22nd, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have another night of praise. All right, we're going to be all in on these 21 days because as God's children, we need to start asking and seeking and knocking over and over again. It's not enough for me to just say it. It's not enough. We got to do it together and we got to mean business. And I believe that as we do, God is going to ready us for this tidal wave of whatever he's going to do here at Beaches Chapel. Amen? All right. If you have any questions about this, any more, any, anything else going on, feel free to call us at uh, the church office and we'll answer any questions about that. But it's gonna, again, it's going to be starting this Saturday, January 11th, going through Friday, January 31st. Okay, back to it. Where are we? Let's jump to Exodus chapter 3 real quick. I want to look at this. Starting in verse 7. This is Moses and, and the Lord talking. It says, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. For I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. A couple things to unpack with these few verses. One, God hears us. When we pray, God hears us. And not only does he hear us, but he acts. He moves. It's not just that he says, well, that's a great prayer. I'm going to go back to my day now. All right? He hears the cry of his children. So as we're praying during this uh, three weeks coming up, he's going to hear us. And he, I believe, is going to lead us to a land flowing with milk and honey. It's coming in Jesus' name. It is coming. But listen to this. Listen to Moses' reaction starting in verse 11. But Moses protested. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel, of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. So Moses, when hearing this, his first reaction is, uh-uh. You see, because what is happening is God is saying, okay, I've heard the cry. Here's what you're going to do. Okay? I've heard the cry. Here's what I'm calling you to do. And Moses' reaction is, eh, I don't think so. That can't be our reaction. That cannot be our reaction. He goes on to say in verse 13, But Moses 
protested. He said, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Ready for the most baller answer ever? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Come on. I am. That's like, I mean, if, if, if I'm Muslim, that's all I need to hear. I'm not quite sure what that means, but it sounds awesome. God says, I am has sent you. Don't worry about that. You know who I am is? He's our father and we are his children. So when he's calling us to go, we can go because I am is sending us. It goes on, starting in, uh, ver- uh, now it's in chapter four, starting in verse one. But Moses protested again. He says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asks him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Three times now, Moses has protested. God wants to do this amazing, mighty work. So much so that it is the the greatest work arguably, in the Old Testament. You could even say the Bible, aside from Jesus being killed on a cross and being raised again, that what God is about to do, think about this, what God is about to do with the plagues, releasing the Israels, the, whole, the, the, the Red Sea, all of it, he's about to do, and Moses is saying, nah. And if God had allowed that, who knows what would have happened? Thank the Lord he was persistent. But we need to ask ourselves the same thing. When we protest, what are we keeping God from? What are we keeping him from doing? What miracle does he have in store that we're saying, that's just a little too much for me. That's requiring a little too much. Verse 10 of chapter four. Finally, he's done protesting and he says this, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and, that, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. I love the Lord's answer here. So the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? I feel like the frustration is starting to build. <laughs> who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go! I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And Moses again pleaded. Finally, he just, he's, out of, he's out of reasons. Lord, please, just, just send someone else. <laughs> it's like God has an answer for every protest and every plea. And now he's finally just like, ah, I got nothing. I just don't want to do it. And that's what it's boiled down to. <clears throat> Moses, in this moment, I don't think he ever questions God. But what he doesn't understand is his identity. He doesn't understand then when we operate in the Lord's business, the only outcome is victory. Amen. The only outcome is victory. And so as children of God, co-heirs with Christ, as we operate in God's business, the only result is victory. So church, let's stop protesting. Let's stop pleading and saying, God, just send someone else. This is too much for me. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to wake up a little extra early. I don't want to come get prayer at church because I'm afraid people are going to see. Who cares? 
we got to stop protesting and start thinking about the miracle on the other side. Moses, in that moment, all he saw was himself. He saw the failures. He saw the guy who killed the Egyptian guard. He saw the fugitive who ran into the desert. He didn't see himself as God's child. But we are all God's children. And as we begin and continue to bang the drum over the things that God wants in our lives, we are going to see miracles happen. You know, God told Moses what was going to happen, but even then, I don't think Moses had a clue. And God's telling us, but we don't have a clue. But we can't protest. We can't plead. We have to say, I'm the son of I am. I am the daughter of I am. I'm the child of God. And I'm going to walk in that. I'm not going to let my failures dictate who I am. I'm not going to let my insecurities I'm not going to let anything that the world says that I am contradict who God says I am. Because he's I am. The world is not. Oh, goodness. Let's have the band come on up. I want everyone to stand up. We're going to read Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. Ms. Helen, can you go ahead and put that verse on the screen for me, please? In a second, you're going to see where it's highlighted, no one. When we get to that part of the verse, I want all of us in here to shout, no one. Okay? Two times it does it. I mean this. We're going to be starting off this new year together. God changing our expectations. And when we get to the words, no one, we're going to shout it, okay? It might, listen, don't protest. Uh -huh. See what I did there? Don't plead. I can't yell. Yes, you can. And it's okay. I promise you, no one is going to make fun of you when you leave. But we're going to shout it. We're going to awaken our hearts to who we are in Jesus. We're going to awaken our hearts to the things that God has for us. And that means a lot of times shouting to the enemy and letting him know that he has no authority and no power over us. Amen? All right, y'all ready? Ready? Starting in verse 31. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Y'all ready? Here it comes. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own. No one! For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one! For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Listen. Since Jesus was raised and went to heaven, you know what he's been doing in the meantime? He's been pleading for us. As we plead God sends someone else, he's pleading for us, his children, his children, Jesus pleading for us. It goes on, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us as we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No! Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ 
who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on! Come on! Come on! It is a new day. It is a new year. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see healing. We're going to see relationships restored. We're going to see the prodigals come home. But we got to operate in who we are. We can't protest when God says, I'm calling you here. We just got to go. We just got to go and understand that we are God's children. And he loves us. We are, the, we are the children of I am. And there's victory in Jesus. There's victory in him. So we're going to sing this song. We're gonna sing it in faith. And if you need prayer this morning, I want you to come down. We're gonna start now. The prayer and fast starts on Saturday. We ain't waiting, we're in church now. Pastors and elders, come on up right now. Pastors and elders, come up. If you need prayer this morning, come up. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus and you need to be set free this morning, he loves you, he died for you. There's hope in him, there's salvation in him. There's freedom in him like you can never, ever know any other way. Come get set free. Be a child of God. Come on, here we go.